0: Global Business News, 24 hours a day
1: at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business
0: Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet after the bell. HP, Inc., beat analyst estimates, shares up by about 5%. The Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ all higher. S&P at a record, twenty four oh four, up today by 3 tenths of 1%, up 5 in a row. The Dow up 74, up 4 tenths of 1%. NASDAQ up 24, up 4 tenths of Higher by two tenths of one percent. OPEC meets tomorrow in Vienna. Oil, West Texas Intermediate, down four tenths of one percent to fifty one twenty six a barrel. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash.
1: All right, Charlie Pellet, thank you so much. As promised, uh, we did have the uh, CBO uh, scoring the House's uh, health care plan. And let's bring in our Billy House, he's Bloomberg News' congressional reporter, joining us uh, from Capitol Hill. So just five in pros- a row for the S- it just crossed moments ago, Billy. Um, what's the score from the Congressional Budget Office?
2: Well, it's complex and it's multi-page, dozens of pages. But what we see from a first glimpse, and this is a first glimpse, is that it still tosses about would toss about 23 million more Americans off their insurance, as opposed to a previous version that would toss 24 million. It still pass, uh, slaps people over age 50 with an age tax of sorts and also uh, undercuts protections for people with pre-existing conditions. Now, the key question is whether this meets the rules or meets the, has muster to go over to the Senate under reconciliation rules. And that is something we do not see this report directly addressing and is going to take some uh, wonkish uh, adding and subtracting by, uh, by all kinds of analysts of, uh, and the Senate parliamentarian apparently to decide whether it does meet that threshold or whether the House will have to somehow change it, redo it, and vote again on the bill. That we don't know right now.
1: You know, I cited this, I think, earlier, and, and you, in your great story that you put out earlier today, and it said for the health pa- plan to comply with requirements for using a streamlined Senate process called reconciliation, the CBO will have to conclude that it reduces the deficit by at least $2 billion over 10 years. And this is, I believe, what you're talking about.
2: Yes, that's one aspect. There are other little wrinkles that it must do also, uh, but that is one of the big ones. And not only that, within that, it must be $1 billion each from two separate jurisdictions of Senate committees. It gets that fine and wonkish in its detail. And right now, we're not seeing that spelled out specifically in the CBO report.
0: And it's a, it's a tricky uh, uh, bit of math here because the CBO has got to sort of look at the different state-by-state provisions and the way that this works in different areas. And there's a lot You can see them juggling a lot of numbers in this.
2: Well, absolutely. In fact, including the new uh, aspect of the bill that was added to attract more conservative votes, giving states the option of waiving off some insurance regulations. Um, uh, the CBO had to try to guess how many states might take that option and what the re- right. ramifications of that would be. And uh, they, they say throughout this report that it's just guesstimates. So that is another murky part of this report as we are out of the shoot right now.
1: So what happens now? You understand how Congress works. Explain it to our listeners, like, kind of, what's the next step now?
2: Well, what we're being told is that both sides of the aisle will present probably, uh, in effect, arguments over why the CBO report either says, A, this doesn't pass muster under reconciliation rules that would allow the Senate to pass their bill without Democratic votes, or B, it does pass uh, those requirements. And those will be made to the Senate parliamentarian, and she uh, no doubt will come under intense public pressure and uh, maybe political pressure within the Senate to decide whether this House bill can move over and thus reconciliation can continue with this bill or whether – Maybe it has to start from scratch over in the House and do a bill. Again. Yeah, this, well, this Other is a key situation. sentence
0: in here. This says the CBOs determined that this bill is passed by the House would impose no intergovernmental mandates as defined by the Unfunded Mandates Reform Act. Is that what you're talking about?
2: Yeah, well, that's part of it. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. But that doesn't speak to the major issue about whether or not this actually uh, obliges the uh, earlier passed budget. Uh, uh, requirements under the instructions, right, and, and I, also, I also that is going to take some detective work,
1: right, and I also do wonder about the president who has promised, you know, more health care for more people and at, uh, you know, making it more affordable. So, um, Billy, I know what you're going to be doing. You're probably re- be reading this uh, throughout the evening hours. Um, thank you for being here, though, to break it down for us. Uh, Billy House, our Bloomberg News congressional reporter, uh, joining us uh, from the nation's capital. Bloomberg Markets brought to you by Pershing's Inside 2017 Conference, a must attend for advisors. June 14th through the 16th in San Diego. Register at PershingInsight.com. That's Pershing, I-N-S-I-T-E dot com. This is Bloomberg.
0: Another day, another dead story for Bloomberg Markets. That's right. We're joined right now by the director of a, of a doc- documentary, Long Strange Trip, about the Grateful Dead. Mirbar Lev joins us right now. Uh, what story are you trying to tell here about the Grateful Dead?
3: Well, it's it's an, a great American rock and roll story. It's maybe the greatest rock and roll story. Um, and, uh, you don't even have to be a fan to, uh, find it interesting. Uh, Jerry Garcia was an iconoclastic guy who had some pretty radical ideas. And, um, and it's a story about how those ideas collide with reality. And, and, uh, you know, there's ups, downs, laughs, screams, and, and a lot of, uh, anarchy.
1: Right. And, and an unlikely success story when it comes to rock and roll no
3: they didn't seek out success that's one of the reasons that we admired them so much they really were like anti-celebrity celebrities and um and uh one of the great pieces of footage that we found was the carcass of the the uh the documentary crew that came before us um when the grateful dead were poised to, to have success through publicity and they had had their first hit uh, there was going to be a documentary, but they dosed the camera crew with LSD so that uh, it wouldn't happen, because um, they were uh, infamously averse to publicity and, and rather have people having fun with them rather than than uh, scrutinizing them and making a film.
0: And they also took a very different business tack with their music in that they were would allow people to bootleg the concerts, and that led to a lot of the fame. I mean, do you get a sense from your uh, with how from your documentary of how they approach the business of the music industry?
3: Yeah, you're absolutely right. They gave away their music. Um, They trusted their audience. Uh, They never went after a kind of a quick buck, but rather cultivated a long-term relationship with their fan base and were rewarded in kind. And uh, I think, you know, I think that's one of the reasons there are so many entrepreneurs uh, who call themselves deadheads. Um, You know, we we were all sort of deputized uh, by the Grateful Dead to take responsibility for what each show felt like. You know, uh, they never told us act this way or don't act that way um and and so it, it kind of it created a, a a fan base that that all felt like they were um on equal level with the band and i think that's uh you when you see you know so many deadheads you mean deadhead wasted today no, it no, comes no, from no. that
0: um it, it is interesting and and uh the, of course we had the reunion tours was it last summer or was it summer before that
3: it, it was yeah it was the summer before that yeah. and, you know uh boy i went to that it was amazing i always did you go to? to it now and, and uh there's going to be an event tomorrow night that I, I hope is going to be one of those sort of timelines uh, on the on the Grateful Dead, uh, you know, fan timeline. Um, you know, obviously not as important and big as as Chicago, but all across the country um, tomorrow night um, we're going to be showing the film, and I, I, I know that tons of Deadheads are getting together and um, you know because it's fun to be to, with one another. Um, so yeah, come out and check out the film.
1: You know, what is it? What was your approach in doing this film? We, we were lucky enough to have um, the folks from Guernsey, Arlon Edinger here, because uh, they're auctioning off uh, Jerry's yeah. wolf guitar and told us some great stories about it. We just got about 30 seconds here. What was it, though, that you wanted to be crucial I want, about I'll tell this you, Crucially, show.
3: I wanted to make a musical documentary about music, so the film itself feels musical. It's a lot of fun, um, but it feels like a Grateful Dead song. There's a lot going on, and uh, it's not a dry recitation of facts.
0: Well, uh, great stuff. And where's it, yeah. where's it being shown? Real quick, just ten seconds left.
3: Uh, it's going to be shown at a theater near you, wherever you are, and at the IFC Center in New York. Uh, so, uh, and at the Cap Center tomorrow night.
1: Right, May twenty sixth, and also on Amazon Prime on June second. Good stuff. Uh, I'm Mir Barlev, uh, director of Long Strange Trip: The Untold Story of the Grateful Dead. Good stuff, Corey. I'm all for it. Yes, you are. Yeah, are
0: dead to play us out here. This uh, is just—it's great stuff.
1: And so it shall be.